Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the sanctifying work of God's Holy Word. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate each and every single one of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, a brand new episode. I am so grateful for you, for your time, your prayers, your dedication, your loyalty. And it's not directed towards me as a man, but greater than that, it's directed towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am merely an under-shepherd And all I want to do is point people to Christ. And today's episode is another step, another part, another piece of the puzzle in standing firm. And this one is something that the church desperately needs. It is something that Jesus prayed with great fervency while on this earth, right before he was to suffer the cross. And this is standing firm with fellow believers. Standing firm in unity with fellow believers. So we're going to be talking about brotherly love. Brotherly affections. Standing firm with the brothers. I think far too many times when we get into Bible studies with a group of men that the bravado, the macho-ness, the who's got it and who does not have it sometimes rears its ugly head. And what I mean by that is sometimes we go in these Bible studies and we're trying to sound intelligent, sound smart, to get an upper hand on people. And this is just not how it should be. And so we we are going to talk about some scriptures today about standing firm with fellow believers being united with fellow believers. But also, we're going to be talking about one of the absolute greatest stories and examples of friendship in the Bible, and that is between David and Jonathan. But before we get in there today, we are going to start with one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to Brothers, and that's Proverbs 27, 17, which says, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I have made that a poster on the outside of my door as you enter my classroom. By the grace of God, my classroom. And it's on there for a very significant purpose. It's on there because that's what it's all about. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We cannot lone wolf 
this Christianity thing. We are not islands. We are not strong enough to go at this alone. You cannot sharpen yourself. You cannot grow always by yourself. This is not discrediting or discouraging you from personal study. But there is something incredibly powerful when a group of men or a group of women come together and study God's Word. Last week we talked about prayer and the power of prayer and how Jesus modeled praying that God's will would be done. So he taught it and modeled it, but he also taught and modeled praying in solitude. So I'm not discouraging you from that either. But what I'm trying to say here is when you come together with a brother and you guys are talking about the Lord and, and the great promises that come with it, with reading Scripture, when you guys come together and actually pray, that is a very powerful thing. There are, there are believers that I've known, and we don't talk about the world and talk about how in our glory days, we used to sin and do all these other things. I I surround myself with people that are focused on God. Now, do sports come up occasionally and things that interest us? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with those type of things. As long as they are not your idols. But I have prayed with my friends and my brothers now more than I ever have. But I need that. And I'm going to give you, hopefully, some words of wisdom here that I've given my children that is very, very important. Not just for kids, but for adults as well. Here it is. Be careful who you let into your heart. Be careful who you surround yourself with. And one of the other things that I say is choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. Because a lot of times we replicate their behaviors, their speech, their attitudes. And it's a very easy thing to do. You need to be purposeful when you select your friends. I've worked with many people over the years. Many. And out of all those people, I can only say with the utmost confidence that I have one person that has become my friend, but it's beyond that now. I consider him a brother. And he's been on this podcast before. It's my brother, Mike. And he has a new podcast called The Man Podcast, M-A-N, Men Are Necessary. 
formerly known as Sight Beyond Sight. And so it, it, we're going to get into that a little bit later, but that was something that God had prepared for me. And I, and I told you guys this story before. I would never have met him if I would have got my own way because I wanted a, te- a, a specific teaching job. If I would have got what I wanted, I never would have met my brother. And he's been very vital to my walk with the Lord and just, and just me as a person. So I can't thank him enough for, uh, for him and his willingness to be my friend and my brother. But you got to be purposeful. You got to be you got to be a little picky sometimes. Not everybody you meet is going to be somebody that you're going to trust your life with and trust your family with. So you got to be careful with those things. That doesn't mean we don't trust people. But here's the thing. Jesus Praise a prayer in John 17. That if you have not read over that recently or lately, I would greatly encourage you to go do that. Very, very powerful prayer. But I'm going to jump ahead in John 17. I'm going to go to verse 20 and 21. This is Jesus praying to his heavenly Father. This is right before the cross. And this is Jesus' high priestly prayer for the believers at that time and for now. So listen to this in verse 20. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And the word believe there means to continually believe. My dear people, it is absolutely critical, absolutely critical, that we be united in Christ. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, there have been people in the church who do not see eye to eye with everything that I do, with everything that I say. There are people who, at times, will avoid me. I've had people say things about me, and I just let them go, and I don't fire back doesn't make me a super Christian, but I'm trying to live the life that Christ has called me to live and be obedient to Him, even though people are opposing me in the church. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Those people now have come back and apologized. And I've accepted their apology with sincerity. And I said, it's okay. It's all good. I I know where you're coming from. I know I know the things that I say bother people sometimes because I don't sugarcoat stuff. 
It's okay. And now we have a great relationship. So if we go firing off every time someone disagrees with us or doesn't see eye to eye with us, we're never going to be united with the brothers and sisters in Christ. We are told to bear with those who are weak. And some people in their walk, they know their walk is weak. They know their spirits are dry. And when they see somebody that is maybe a little bit deeper, a little more on fire, immersed in the word, that's intimidating. And I'm not saying that I'm the poster child for you know, spiritual maturity, but it's a situation where I can recognize those things and be empathetic to that and patient with that. Sometimes the, the things they said was, it had some truth in it, but it was hurtful. And so, you know, you have to, you have to bear with it. They're not, they're not just people, ladies and gentlemen. They're not just people on the street. They're your, they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. How many of us have brothers and sisters at home? And you know, now you're probably obviously have way moved on <laughs> and you're on your own. But growing up, there were days I didn't talk to my brothers because I was mad at them or they were mad at me. You know, but eventually we got over it. But now in the church, someone wrongs somebody else and we're going to hold a grudge forever. That's not how it works. And that is not in line with Jesus' high priestly prayer. Jesus wants us to all be one in the Father and in himself. That's very powerful stuff. Hebrews 13.1. I'm going to take you there. Hebrews 13.1. Now, this scripture here is very powerful, and it's very short. Let love of the brethren continue. That's it. Let love of the brethren continue. That means that we, we have to be people of forgiveness. Patience, tolerance, and more, more over than that, we must be in prayer for those who are weaker. We can't get upset every time somebody does something that we don't like. We are of, of Christ. We need to be of the same mind. And guess what? Sometimes, sometimes, it doesn't go the way we want. So, what I'm trying to say to you is this. We have to take what our Lord has prayed and be obedient to it. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. That's not a suggestion. 
that is a command. Listen to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You see, we are not just random strangers with with people inside of a building. We are fellow citizens with the saints. And we are all of God's household. And sometimes, as dysfunctional as it may be, those are your brothers. Those are your sisters. And we, all as these living stones, are being fitted together and we're being built together to make a holy temple in the Lord. So you are a vital piece of that temple. You're a stone in that temple. Take too many out, it's going to collapse. That's why the unity of the brothers and sisters needs to be evident. It needs to be prioritized. Proverbs 17.17 A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. One chapter over, but in verse 24, so Proverbs 18.24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Those are believers. Those are true fellow believers. And a lot of times, friends can be closer than blood relatives. Church family can sometimes be closer than blood family. And this is what God has meant for it to be. It was kind of a, of a surreal, powerful moment. But lately I've been leading the men and going through the book of Colossians. And one of the other men took their turn and was having a time where they spoke. But I was looking around, and there was about 15 men there total. I'm just looking around, and I, when I was bringing the group back together to kind of get back on point, I said, you know what's truly amazing is that there are about 15 people in this room right now, all together in Christ, and we are all of different walks of life. Some of us are this, some of us are that, but it's very powerful stuff that God can take people who are so completely different and unite them in Christ. And that's what it's truly all about. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, 
Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I mean, that is, that is so incredibly powerful, people. I mean, and that's, think about that. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. There, there is nothing more powerful. When you have believers that are selflessly devoted to Christ and each other, I mean, that, that is very powerful. So, again, I cannot stress enough unity of the believers. I can't stress that enough. Listen to Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds or good works. Not forsaking our own assembling together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another at and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, that's, that is incredibly powerful stuff. Romans 15.5 Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. So we're not to forsake meeting with one another. And what is that talking about? That, in Hebrews, is talking about the church. Some people think they can lone wolf it, like I said before. Some people think that they don't have to go to church, that it's not necessary. We did an episode on the importance of church. I would encourage you to go check that out if you are a person that is struggling with that and maybe you had some issues with your church. I don't know. But I would encourage you to go check that out. But we're not to forsake assembling together. But we need to encourage one another. All the more as we see the, see the day drawing near. That is so powerful. What's the day? Us being united together in Christ in face to face with our Lord and Savior. And we need to be of the same mind. Now I say all this to you because it leads us to the friendship and brotherhood of David and Jonathan. This was and is one of the, if not the greatest stories of friendship and brotherhood the world has ever seen. So, as we journey through this, we're going to look at some highlights of their friendship, their brotherhood. And what we're going to start with is First Samuel 18. And I know what you guys are thinking. While we very rarely go in the Old Testament, but that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. 
which says, Now it came about, when he had finished speaking to Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. But the first thing that I want you to focus on more than anything else is that Jonathan loved David as himself. Now, you have to understand the difference between these two. David was a shepherd boy, right? Remember David and Goliath, he, he was a shepherd. Jonathan was a prince. Who was his father? King Saul, first king of Israel. Started to go a little mad, and that's putting it lightly, towards the end of his life. You know, Jonathan had his own armor. What did David have? He had a harp and a slingshot. I mean, David was a musician, but he was also a warrior. Jonathan grew up in a palace, and he was trained in war. David grew up in a little town of Bethlehem, and he was trained to tend sheep. Jonathan was the oldest son, and he was next in line to inherit the throne, and David was the youngest of eight boys. But here's the deal. He was anointed as the next king in place of Jonathan. Jonathan was the tribe of Benjamin. David was the tribe of Judah. So they were opposites in Literally every aspect. But one thing that brought them together is their love for God. And because they had love for God, they grew in love for each other. And I'm going to say something right now. I'm going to stop it before it runs rampant because this is what the world does. People have taken this beautiful story of friendship and turn it into something of perversity. There is no homosexual act or homosexual thoughts between these two. And that's what the world does. Satan's very good and crafty at taking something that God has called good and ordained and given you an example of how to follow and what you need in your life to bring you closer to God and closer to each other and turn it into something ugly. So, there was nothing of that nature going on. Now, going back to it, we're not going to get into the complete, full story of David and Jonathan. But here's what you need to know. 
going back to 1 Samuel 18. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David through the bond of their devotion and love for God. And two times in these four verses, says, Jonathan loved David as himself. Isn't that what Jesus told us to do? It's exactly right. We have to love others as we love ourselves. Now, David was supposed to be the next king of Israel. And that's one of the reasons why Saul was so angry and bitter and jealous and wanted to kill him. Matter of fact, Saul was so enraged with jealousy that he had spent quite some time trying to kill him. And Jonathan himself could have been jealous. Jonathan himself could have said, I'm going to be a double agent here. Because Saul told everything to his son. Every single big detail and little detail. He told him everything. But in verse 3 of 1 Samuel 18, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And when he stripped his robe and gave him his armor and his sword and his bow and belt, he was surrendering to God's will. He was surrendering to God's plan of David being the next king. That's powerful stuff. Because his dad is literally the king of Israel at the moment. And that, to me, is very, very beautiful. So when Jonathan did that act of selflessness, it's so incredibly powerful. I'm going to take you to 1 Samuel, the 19th chapter. Let's, keep, let's just read here, verse 1. Now Saul told Jonathan, his son, and all of his servants to put David to death. Wow, that is a command. But Jonathan, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, is seeking to put you to death. Now, therefore, please be on guard in the morning and stay in a secret place and hide yourself. I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak to with my father about you. And if I find out anything, then I will tell you. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. So, A true friend has your back. And a true friend is an absolute gift of God. 
And what did we read in Proverbs 17, 17? A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Do you think that David's life at that point was full of adversity? Absolutely. What did he need? He needed a friend. He needed a brother. And I'll tell you right now, Jonathan had plenty enough reasons to give up on David. And this doesn't mean that friendship with another person is all sunshine and rainbows. It's full of stress and anxieties. And I mean, here's the thing. Jonathan's own life was being threatened. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, let's look at 1 Samuel 20.32. Here's what it says. But Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said to him, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him down. So Jonathan knew that his father had decided to put David to death. Then Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did not eat food on the second day of the new moon, for he was grieved over David because his father had dishonored him. So he stood up for his friend, David, and what did his father do? He hurled a spear at him in intentions not to scare him, but to strike him dead. Yet Jonathan did not buckle, did not waver in his faithfulness to his dear friend and brother. And that's what it's all about. A true friend loves you as he or she loves himself. Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty nine. this is what we talked about earlier, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus taught it, and this way back when, way before Jesus came, that's a model. Now, I'm going to back up here and just say this. Make sure you have a friend in your life such as this. Let's go to 1 Samuel 23, 16. Here's what another friend does. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horesh and encouraged him in God. The literal translation there is and strengthen his hand in God. Now, this is significant because Hebrews 3, 13, and 14 says this, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we all have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. That's what he was doing. A true friend encourages you, strengthens you in God. 
So if you have friends around you and they are they never talk about God, they never encourage you in God, they never pray with you, they never read the scriptures with you. Just be on the alert. Be on guard. You need to surround yourself with people that do those things. That's what you need to do. Now as we enter the last part of this wonderful friendship, Saul is killed and Jonathan is killed. Now here's the reality. Jonathan had a son. Jonathan had a son. And what's so incredibly powerful is when David learns of the death of his beloved friend. Listen to 2 Samuel one twenty six. We'll actually back up to verse 25. We'll do 25 and 26. How have the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Jonathan is slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. Now, like I said before, people take this verse and they twist it and it's something ugly. Um, Just know that David had a wife and he was unfortunately (laughs) uh, married to Saul's daughter. The love of a brother and a true friend can supersede that of love of women. Now, I'm going to stop here and say this. I love my wife more than anybody that I know. But when you're going through things with your brothers... It's very important to have a friendship that is almost as equal to that. And what's truly amazing about David and Jonathan is the selflessness, the devotion, the perseverance through adversity, but also What was truly amazing, they made a covenant of friendship with one another. They were bonded over their Lord God. But when Jonathan died, here's what's beautiful. David took Jonathan's son in. and considered him his own. 
And love has no one greater than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. And to wrap this up, 1 Peter 3.8 sums it up perfectly. It says, to sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. And our absolute last verse comes in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. So the takeaway today, find yourself a Jonathan. Find yourself a Jonathan. I am a living testimony to say that I have found a Jonathan. And I hope you have more than one Jonathan. I hope you have a friend and a brother that loves you as he does himself. that perseveres with you through the most difficult of trials, that encourages you in Christ, encourages you to pray, encourages you to persevere, encourages you to read the word, to be obedient, to follow Christ with all of your heart, all of your mind and soul and strength. I pray that you all have a Jonathan. Because the Jonathan in my life, who I mentioned earlier, my friend and brother Mike, it's such a wonderful thing. Truly a blessing. My father told me this story. I'm going to tell this to you right now. When my dad was in the military and he was traveling, came across this random guy. And I believe God puts those people in our life for unknown reasons, ultimately for his glory. But here's what happened. The guy looked at my dad and said, if you have this many friends, he held up five fingers. If you have this many friends, you are a blessed man. At the time, my dad thought, hey, I have plenty of friends, so I'm more than blessed. But when he turned his life over to Christ and gave himself to Christ, those people scattered like cockroaches. They wanted nothing to do with the light. And fairly recently, he said, what that man said that day has rang true now more than ever. And I don't have five. That's not a pity party. But I don't need five. I don't need a hundred. I need faithful followers of Christ that are brothers that are going to do 
what Jonathan did for David. So the takeaway, find yourself a Jonathan. And here is the biggest exhortation. You be a Jonathan to someone else's David. So with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember, everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you all.